Located in the heart of Manhattan, Fordham Law provides excellent ties to business as well as options for public law. Sound intriguing? Tune in because today's guest will tell you more. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Thanks for joining me for the 529th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Are you applying to law school this cycle? Are you planning ahead to apply to law school next year or perhaps later? Are you competitive at your target programs? Accepted's Law School Admissions Quiz can give you a quick reality check. Just go to accepted.com slash law dash quiz, complete the quiz, and you'll not only get an assessment, but tips on how to improve your chances of acceptance. Plus, it's all free. Again, take the short quiz at accepted.com slash law dash quiz to obtain your free assessment. Now for today's interview, I'm delighted to have on Admission Straight Talk, Stephen Brown, Assistant Dean of Enrollment at Fordham Law. Prior to Fordham Law, Dean Brown worked at NYU Law in financial aid and administration, ending his time as Director of Student Finance, Strategic Planning, and Institutional Research. 22 years ago, he returned to Fordham to work in law school financial aid and admissions. He has a special interest in introducing admissions, financial aid, and finance topics to students and new professionals, and in mentoring. Much of his student work has revolved around financial literacy education. Brown is a frequent conference and bar association presenter on topics from law school admissions, financing law school, federal aid policy, financial literacy, and planning. He has served on various committees of student financial aid administrators, the LSAC, and he's also received numerous awards, including the prestigious Clio Edge Award for diversity. Dean Brown reports that his first career in mental health counseling prepared him well for the ever-changing, often stressful world of law school administration. He earned his bachelor's in psychology and philosophy and his MS ed in counseling and student services from Fordham, followed by his ed M in counseling from Teachers College at Columbia University. Dean Brown, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. It's good to be here. Great. Can um, you give us a, an overview of the more distinctive elements of the Fordham Law JD program? Sure. So, so Fordham's in New York, uh, and we think of it as, as the capital of the world. Uh, At least the center, of, come on. <laughs> to be careful, sometimes you know, <laughs> the New York thing. Uh, so, so, so that gives our students lots of opportunity. And many people come to law school where they want to practice so they can start networking. Um, at any rate, so, so we're in New York, we're in large school. And that gives sort of people say, oh, yeah, this is bad. But, but that allows us to have a large faculty. We have 84 full-time faculty. We have more than 100 adjuncts who are leaders in the bench and bar, uh, mostly in New York. So we can have lots of specialties, lots of programs, give our students lots of choice, both for concentrating and, and focusing their education, but also to explore other areas of the law that they may not have been thinking of. So with lots of programs, we have top rated programs in, for a variety of ratings and rankings. We have amazing alumni and we have a lot of them and they, yeah, are very strong in, in the New York market. And that's an advantage for our students. Uh, the other real advantage we have is the house system. Um, we can talk about it a little more. So most of our students are first-generation lawyers, certainly. 
many are first generation college grads. I'm a first generation college grad. And, and, and the house system allows our students, it's, it's an, another hour a week where you're meeting outside of class, but, but it's the culture of law and it's the culture of lawyering. It's a little about support. Uh, because that's important. It's introducing you to faculty who teach first-year students, but not in your section, so they're not grading you, so so, so you can relax. Um, but they're working with other first-year students, so they understand some of that stress. You'll get other financial literacy and career services programming, and that comes in the houses. You'll meet upper-level students and mentors. You'll meet uh, alumni, both young alumni and I guess regular alumni, I can't call them older. Um, <laughs> senior, senior. <laughs> not, not good either. <laughs> uh, who are there supporting, uh, there to support our students. We, we introduced, we moved to a new building here eight years ago. It's much bigger, the old building. You couldn't help but bump into your classmates, perhaps literally. Now we fit. And we were a little worried that we're going to lose some of that community. And brought this house system in, and it works. Uh, and it's that. Uh, the, alter, the other side, the cultural side of, of lawyering. I'm not quite sure I understand the house system. So is the house system physically houses? Where no, no, no. It's not physically or is it just a, a meet at different, different clubs, if you will? Um, yeah, affinity is, groups? And, you no, know, we have clubs. We have, we have 100 clubs. We have affinity groups. This was more based on you know, perhaps some of our faculty come from elite institutions, undergraduate institutions, where they had their residential houses where they, they had the opportunity to interact with faculty and administrators. Um, it, it was non-educational programming, but some of that cultural program and, and some of the support, kind of the formal support networks. So we introduced it now five or six years ago. Uh, professionalism is a part of it. Uh, again, we have lots of student organizations. This everybody is taking in the first year and, and everyone's participating. Essentially, you know, it, it's your section, um, so so the, the same students who are working through, and that way you get to build that relationship with the students in the first year. But this is the programming outside of academic program. And, it, and, and it's, it's not just a section, it's it's different kind of grouping. It, it's the same grouping, it's section grouping, but no, you're, not, not. you're not studying constitutional law or torts or civil procedure right, or mm-hmm. criminal law. It's... This is what lawyers do. We'll bring in a, a judge to talk. So, mm-hmm. so uh, they'll bring in me to talk about financial literacy. So, so it's that, that other side of programming and, and it works and it really does help students build relationships. Of course, students get to do that with study groups and in the sections as it is. But this house system has, we were a little apprehensive when we started it and, and it, it has really worked well for us. And the students will talk about that all the time. Um, and, and you stay in the same house for your second and third years. You know, we were thinking about it and thinking, thinking Harry Potter and, and actually very, very much that, that, yeah, kind of that feeling I mean, about it. I, I know, I think, uh, I can't remember now if it's Cambridge or Oxford in England, they have a very strong house system. I think Yale has one. I think maybe even both Cambridge and Oxford have it. But yeah, it, it is a very interesting system. And somehow I, I did not notice it when I was doing my prep. I, I have to admit, I'm really glad you raised it. I did notice that Fordham has a lot of experiential learning opportunities, clinics, extra internships, externships. Can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. We're in New York, another advantage. And I feel I, I'm not here to, to, to sell Fordham, although I guess I, I am at some yeah, level. Yeah, you are. It's but, okay. But, but yeah, but, but, but that's, 
you, you have to find the right school and we can talk about that later, but, but there's a right school for everybody. We, we think we're, if we admit you, we think you're, you know, you're right for us. You may not think so. We'll talk mm -hmm. about that. So we're in New York, has lots of opportunities. The ninth floor of our building is Lincoln Square Legal Services Incorporated. It's a nonprofit law firm. Um, those are our clinics. And students in their second or third year, it's a five or six credit course, half of, of your academic experience in that semester. And um, you and a group of seven or nine other students and a faculty member are representing real clients. It's unlikely you will see a real client from a beginning to the end of a case, but uh, you, you will be responsible for three and a half months of, of that client experience uh, with their lawyers. Um, so, so that's kind of our premier experiential learning experience. And you're learning from faculty. We've had students argue in the Second Circuit, um, students involved in arbitration negotiation, running the show. It's not the faculty are there with the students trailing behind. It's the students are there uh, with faculty support, obviously, and faculty experience and faculty practice licenses. Um, so, so that's our uh, clinical program, the externship program. Again, we're in New York. If you can imagine the type of work in, in nonprofit or government, uh, we've had an externship there already. And externships are two or three credits, can be term time, can be over the summer. And you know, we, we have an externship coordinator who will help you find them. Uh, again, if you can imagine it, we have it. And, and if not, the externship coordinator will call and say, Dean Brown, what are you saying? <laughs> And uh, over the years, several coordinators have, have managed to find any area of the law that students could possibly be interested in. We also have some overseas externships and other externships you know, th throughout the country. And there, you know, you're working in the law. You're certainly not practicing as you would in a clinic where, where you're practicing under the faculty license. But they're screened and you're doing real legal work. Uh, you're not just observing. Um, and, and you are evaluated by your supervisor, and then you'll meet an hour a week um, to talk with faculty here and other students and kind of process some of those experiences. So that's the externship. Students work. The majority of our students, two-thirds uh, in any given year, less or 70%, have two or more years work experience. So they're sought after by em employers. Generally not the first summer, generally term time and second summer. Um, but our students work as well. So the externships are government or nonprofit, work is government or nonprofit, or the private sector. Uh, so students are getting experience there as well. Great. Thank you. For next year's applicants, we're going to turn now more to admissions. Okay. When is, when is the best time to apply? Early. Um, so our application, so we, we looked at this from a student who was complaining we didn't read fast enough. This year we'll have uh, 67 or 6,800 applicants. Um, 4,300 of them applied by uh, December 15th. Mm -hmm. And what was um, the deadline? What was the formal deadline? Deadline is March 15th. Oh, oh that's a lot. Yeah. So, so, so people were, were listening to us and applying early. You know, two years ago, in the, you know, 2020, in the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, that was a crazy cycle. Know, that was a crazy cycle. <laughs> Crazy cycle. Uh, we over enrolled. We, we've we've kept the applicant pool high. We're a good place, um, and, and students recognize that. But but early is better. Apply when you're ready. Uh, you don't apply on September 15th if you're not ready, or you're planning on taking the LSAT again, or you didn't have a chance to proofread your um, 
the, the, your application and, and pay attention to your application. We can talk about that later, but earlier is better. So schools all have a magic number that I'm not sharing with you, but in mind that you know, this is the number of students we need to admit that should turn into first deposits or second deposits or, or enrolled students. And when we hit that number, we hit the number. And you know, e even some really amazing people who apply after that may wind up being waitlisted um, or not admitted or not have the opportunity at all. So you, know, don't, you don't have to apply September 15th. I guess early is before Thanksgiving. Or early is before Halloween. Um, <laughs> and and we, haven't, we, we, we have an early action program. It's not early decision. It's not binding. We, we're not going to do that to you. Um, but but if you apply by October fifteenth, you know, you'll have a decision by Thanksgiving. So so you can you know, as you're passing around your admissions letter, you can spill gravy on it and all that good stuff. <laughs> and, and then you know that you're going to law school. I mean, some of that came out of um, you know, experience. You know, some of us have had with, with our our children. I'm going to college. Well, yes, this this is great. It's not the college I want. It's, it's but yeah, you know, there was an admissions open house. So we try to get those decisions out early so people know there's no advantage to applying early action is what we call it. Again, it's non-binding. And if you apply on October 16th, we will probably get you a decision before Thanksgiving as well. Um, we don't treat the pool differently. So it's rolling admissions. Uh, so it's rolling admissions. Uh, again, the advantage of applying early. Right. Now, um, I know that Fordham Law accepts the LSAT and the GRE. Approximately what percentage of the applicant pool is applying with the GRE? Less than 5%. So we, we started taking the GRE when the ABA said we could mm -hmm. um, without any waivers. So that was last February. We don't have a lot of experience with the GRE. We are trying to build some of that. We have a large enough number of admitted students or deposited students, enrolled students, we hope, um, with the GRE that will be able to do some studying there. But, but this, this idea of the LSAT and GRE is important because it, it gives some perspective um, to grades and, and experiences. And there's, I don't know where we will be. Though. The ABA just announced last Friday that the, the um, LSAT will be required. Again, they were going to send it back to the yeah. um, House of Delegates, and they decided not to. All right. um, so, so this is new. This is exciting. And I guess I've just dated this podcast now. Okay. Um, I think a test is going to be required or that the LSAT is going a to be required. A test is going yeah. to be required. Okay. And, and, and students, you know, it's, oh, I, I, test optional, and there's this whole move test optional to undergrad. So, so among the people advantaged by a test, um, and these great discussions you know, with one of our students advocating for us to, to go test optional. And I said, you know, we might not have admitted you if we were test optional. But she had done well in, in undergrad. But at a school where we don't see many applicants, we didn't know much about it. In fact, it was a school that had fewer than 50 applicants a year because LSAC reporting on that was, was incomplete because they're not enough and did really well on the LSAT. And said, okay, good. You know, now we know that, that the picture is complete. The, the person performed well academically. And you know, it's not just a school that maybe you know, three seven or three eight is the bottom quarter or the median. And there are some schools that have tremendous grade inflation. Right. And the rest of the application was great too. She was active, she was involved, she had some work experience. 
significant work experience. But, but we'll see how all of that plays out. But again, it looks like we have at least another two years uh, of the requirement for a standardized test. So at this point, for Fordham, LSAT and jury are the two standardized tests we're taking. Who should take one and who should take the other? You know, the, the tests are different. LSAT has been around for a long time. It's testing reading comprehension and logical reasoning and, and logic games. And those are important and correlated with success in law school. Um, there are other people you know, who are much stronger. The GRE is actually, they just came out with an announcement. Some of the GRE is changing uh, for next year and it's going to be shorter and more details to follow apparently. They're trying to get us to come to, to a webinar. So, so GRE is similar in, in, to the SAT. Uh, in terms of a, um, a writing section, a reading comprehension section, and an analytical skills. Um, some people do better in, in one or the other. You have to figure that out for yourself. So think back to undergrad. Do I take an SAT or um, ACT. the ACT? The tests are different. It's been interesting. Some law students are challenged numerically. And they will take the GRE, maybe because they were in graduate school or they thought the GRE was easier or whatever. And they will come with a very low percentile on the, um, on the math side, the analytic skills. And that will give us pause. And, and we have at least two or three people this year who did very well on the LSAT, also took the GRE, reported both sets of scores. And there was some concern because you know, while our median LSAT and probably median GRE is in the 94th percentile, these folks scored somewhat less well on, on the analytic side and it gave us pause. So, so if you don't have those math, so lawyers need math skills. And it's part of orientation. We actually teach a, you know, a, a one credit course in quantitative methods. You need to be able you know, to know that 75% is greater or less than two thirds. <laughs> That matters. It matters as you're negotiating with clients. It matters as you're reading cases. So, so we'll do a little of that. It's, it's okay. You'll get over it. We're going to do it with all 400 people a year. <laughs> okay. That's a great response. I mean, I, I know with my interactions with lawyers, they all say, we don't do math. <laughs> we don't do arithmetic. But right, this is not higher level math. You, know, you can do quantum geometry. You can do all kinds of neat things. No, this is arithmetic. arithmetic you learned okay. it in fourth grade, <laughs> but in quantitative methods, we'll remind you of it. And then right. we will spend some time in, in reading financial uh, It might also have all. something to do with financial literacy, not to mention business. So yes. it is good to know basic arithmetic, even if you're a lawyer. Let's turn to the personal statement and the other parts of the application. Sure. What are your, what's your number one tip? And if you don't, if you want to give up to three, it's okay for the, for the personal statement. We were talking about fit. You mentioned fit a minute ago. And, and, I assume and, the personal and, statement is a great place to show fit. What is fit and how do you do it in the personal statement? What's your best tip for the personal statement? So best tips, tell us a story. Get us so excited about you that we need to admit you. And, and, and that happens. Uh, you know, we, we have, we deny people with high grades and scores and we admit people with lower grades and scores because of the rest of the application and the personal statement is a good place to start. Think carefully about it. Think about your whole application as a presentation. It's not an elevator pitch. We'll spend five or 10 minutes with them, but, but, but you know, th this is our one chance. We don't interview. We get many applications. We don't interview our students. So, so this is your one opportunity to, to present a unified application. So tell us a story. Um, don't restate your resume. We see a lot of that. 
the story should fit with the law. So maybe 15 years ago, it didn't matter much. Law school was less expensive. Students had different expectations for law school. Now we experienced this quite a few maybe 10 years ago, students who kind of didn't know why they were here have a tougher time overcoming some of the challenges in law school. It will convince you you can't read it. You'll get over it. That's okay. Um, the writing is different. Um, that's okay. But, but, you know, when you maybe get those first semester grades, like, why am I here? This was hard, or you're preparing for it. So, so touch, you know, Make sure you touch on the law. Um, this is what you're looking to do. I would have said 15 years ago, tell us about yourself. Um, but, but now we want to see that connection, especially if your work experience, volunteer experience, activity experience in school doesn't seem to be law or policy related. Right. And, and we'll get some of them. We'll read this application and say, why is this person coming to law school? Yeah. And then sense. you create doubt. And you have options. So the, the applicant who seems on a logical, coherent path makes more sense. Yes. Makes sense to me. And it works. And those are the students who are successful. Right. I mean, you can change your mind. We're teachers. So, so we're, we're going to, we may change your mind. Uh, I said one of the advantages is you can take courses from lots of different areas. And that, that may work. Uh, so that's great. We encourage that. But come in with something of a focus. If you don't know why you want to be in law school, take a year or two or three or five or 30 off. And that's okay. Don't take it off and do nothing. Work. Volunteer. Do something that, that, that is rewarding. Try to get that job in an area you think you're interested in. Um, and then come to law school. Law school is expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it's stressful. We want you to come in, and, and I, I think we do this in the admissions process. You know, our students are coming in primed and, and ready for law school. Um, and, and that makes a difference in their attitudes here. It makes a difference in the way they approach school and the way they approach each other. Is full-time work experience a nice to have or, or really important to the admissions committee at Fordham Law? And do you like so, to see that experience related to law in some way? So two-thirds of our students over the past uh, 10 or 12 years have had two or more years work experience. Wow. We're not a business school. Um, it's not required. Um, interestingly, you know, two-thirds have two or more. About a quarter have um, are coming right out of school. And then there's a small percentage, eight or nine percent, um, who only have a year of experience. Um, so, so we looked at this, our faculty said, it's a faculty admissions committee, and our faculty said, what are we doing if we really are requiring to, no, we're not requiring, two-thirds is less than 100%. We're requiring uh, two years, we should tell students. So, so we gave them personal statements without grading scores and anything else, and, and they looked at them and found that people with two or more, because that's what we were looking at, years of work experience, approached the personal statement differently. Um, they were a little more focused. Um, they were perhaps a little more passionate, even if they didn't identify themselves and you know, talk about their work experience. Um, they were better writers. And, more and mature, maybe? Probably more mature. Um, and, and, and that makes a difference. So, so we didn't go out and we're not requiring it. And there are plenty of people who are coming right out of college who are mature and focused and, and knowing what they want. 
Um, but it's different. You don't have to be working in the law necessarily. Again, if you've never worked in the law or studied anything related to the law, you've got to help us in that personal statement, see you as a law student. Um, right. but, but no, we're not requiring that. And sometimes personal statements are great. I, there was a paralegal, I took a job as a paralegal in a big law office and it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm working 60 hours a week and I can't work to wait to be a lawyer and work 80 hours a week and, and have more interesting work. Or I took this job and hate it and no, I'll never want to do this again. I have an undergraduate business degree and now I have to rethink this. Don't fake it either. And a lot of students, you know, we send the majority of our grads to big law in New York, but we have a strong public interest population as well. And we'll see people, I read somebody in the end of our reading last week or two weeks ago, who is an accountant, has been working for 10 plus years in, in a CPA, increasingly responsible work, and said nothing about that in a personal statement, and talked all about needing to save the world. And there was nothing when we, we ask on the application specifically, we ask you to send a resume, but we also ask about activities and volunteer activities and things like that. And there was nothing there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, and now no, it didn't, it didn't, the story didn't hang together. And, and, and it's important and it, it should. And, and if you want to say, go out and work. And I actually you read somebody, I don't know if we admit it or not, who, who left a very lucrative career and um, you know, took a paralegal job and said, I, I saw that I needed to be a lawyer. I was being called to be a lawyer. This is how I'm going to solve great problems in the world. And, and I took a job to get that experience. And I left behind a job that may pay more than I'm going to earn after law school, but now I'm ready. And that's a lot more convincing. And that person I think will be more successful. Great. Thank, good answer. Thank you. When should an applicant write an addendum? Or addendum? When you need to. Uh, what, would, what would be need? I'll get there. <laughs> so, so, and, uh, so need would be there's something unusual that's not addressed in the application. When I, personal statements should be exciting, should get us want to admit you, want to get to know you. It, it should not include... Um, and, unless it's part of, of the, your, your identity and, and part of what you're looking to, to tell us, um, you know, don't, don't tell us you had a bad spring of your sophomore year of college because you were sick um, or because you had issues at home. You know, if you, that's great for an addendum. Let us know that. Make sure you get your semester right. Uh, we've seen it end this, I had a bad sophomore, eh, those grades looked okay. You really had a bad spring of junior year. If you're, you know, if there's a, a big disparity between GPA and LSAT, uh, you know, if, if you know, students will tell us all the time, I am not a good standardized test taker, I will remind you that the bar exam is a timed test. And it may not be multiple choice, but it's a time <laughs> test. And, and maybe there's reading speed things going on. Um, so, but but tell us anyway. I, I you know came in with a low SAT for my college and performed really well. If so, so those are big. We offer students the ability to write an addenda on any anything they want. Uh, don't whine. We see a lot of that. How about blame? Uh, blame. See less blame than than whine. Okay. <laughs> blame will sometimes see in in the character and fitness. 
All right. Um, and some of it may, may be true. One of our big feeder schools, you know, we, we will see, but I'd rather not see in character and fitness. The local police sit right outside campus and we set foot off campus and, and you know, miss a step and they will cite us for public intoxication. Um, and that may be true. There's enough of that that, that may be true. Um, but that's not a blame. That's not a, these, you know, these local police are terrible. Um, yeah, take responsibility for that. Exactly. Exactly. And, right. and, and not, not too many addenda. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we have students will write many things, but, but it may be an addenda on family life that is, again, not part of the personal statement, but, but here are some of my experiences. Uh, a diversity statement is not a separate addenda. We will ask students if they feel they can contribute to diversity of the class, send us a, a diversity statement. If not, that's okay too. Um, it's optional. Addenda are for Fordham, addenda are optional. Diversity statements are optional. Okay. Do I have to do one? No, read the instructions. It's optional. We're expecting you to be a lawyer. It, it's <laughs> not going to help or hurt. This will give us. Uh, a, a different sense of you that we're okay. seeing from the rest of the application, perhaps. All right, great. Thank you. You have an application in front of you from a specific applicant. How do you go through it? How do you evaluate? Personal it? statement. Who is this person? That's a, uh, that's that's the key. That that's a really good start for us. Okay. Uh, because we want to know who you are. Do you work mm -hmm. and play well with others? Were you involved in something greater than yourself, whether in college, whether at work, in your community, your faith institute? <laughs> because then you can be better law student. Um, then you're going to get involved. So much of learning in law, we have amazing faculty. So much of learning in law school, though, is student to student. So we're looking for people who want to be a part of a community, looking for people who have been part of a community, looking for people who are not terribly full of themselves. We have some really smart students. Our students are in the top 8% of students nationally. Yay. We deny people every year who say, I'm the best thing that has ever happened to you. Um, you know, you need to take me. We've seen personal statements that you're my safety school. I know I'm not going to spend time on this because I know you'll admit me because I have your numbers. <laughs> no. Um, that's the, the people. That's I, I mean, I believe you when you tell me because I've seen some personal statements too that are pretty unbelievable. But it is remarkable that somebody would actually write that. So oh, it, it it is not unusual. Somebody called that we denied. How dare you deny me? Yeah. Well, you applied at 1150 something on the last day of our application, and you're not so strong. And I, I get to have those conversations from time to time. Um, so yeah, take take the personal statement, take the agenda seriously. Okay, great. Thank you. I noticed that Fordham requires that an applicant not have been dismissed from another law school, regardless of the time elapsed since the dismissal. Are there other blemishes on one's record that would be an automatic denial? So, so, Criminal so no. record, academic dishonesty, dismissal from undergraduate programs, anything like that? So, so at Fordham, we ask the New York State Bar Examiner's character and fitness questions, and they're changing this year. So we will change with that because we want you to answer the questions the same way for both of us at the same time, you know, the, the answer to that is no, and actually, thank you for pointing out, we are looking at why our statement is so strong on people who are dismissed from another oh, really? school that may be vestigial. 
So, okay. um, so, so we will look at that. But, but um, please, on the character and fitness, tell the truth. Oh yeah, that's critical. Tell us what happened. We we are looking for what you did. That's certainly important. Read the questions. Schools a- ask different questions. We find thirteen of the fifteen law schools in New York ask the. Um, New York State question. There are others who will ask the New York State questions. Read that. Uh, we've admitted people who you know, have had academic dishonesty. We have admitted um, students who've been successful, who have felony records for various um, reasons. You know, one of the things we really don't like, so, so violence is a challenge and we want to see what's going on, um, but we're a Jesuit institution, so we understand forgiveness. Um, and understand rehabilitation. Um, we look. We we do look for patterns, though. One of the things that will jump out for us is patterns. You have three DWIs, or yeah, you're cited monthly from your undergrad for having a party. Uh, and and then there are two things. The the first and most important is is about respect for the law, um, because you're going to be a lawyer. And the second, and perhaps tongue-in-cheek, is you haven't figured out how not to get caught. So, so patterns are more important on character and fitness than many other things. Don't be embarrassed. Um, whatever you have done, you have seen before. And, and that's important. Although, actually, there are a few that, that, that uh, <clears throat> stand out that are unusual. But... Um, you know, please answer those questions honestly. Please give us, um, you know, use the the addendum. We'll let you write 500 characters on the application through LSAC, but but use the addendum to explain what's going on. Time matters. If you did something um, when you were young and foolish in high school or maybe even first year of college, um, that's different than you did it last month or you need to amend your application because you're just, something just happened to you. Right. And how would, like, again, a pattern of, of issues, let's leave it that way, okay, would, would clearly be a problem. How yes. would somebody who has a blemish on their record show that that blemish doesn't really represent them today? Yeah, so, so, so we want to see that response. Uh, again, don't, don't write the 500 characters unless it was something very simple. Right. Um, yeah, give us an addendum. Um, this is what happened. I was young and foolish. Um, I had difficulty adjusting to college. Whatever the story is, again, we've probably seen that um, from from other applicants. Uh, We do want to see that you've taken responsibility. We want to see you've handled this in a mature way. And we move on. People have, it's not unusual better or worse for people to have been young and foolish. Older and foolish, not not, not quite. (laughs) Even that happens sometimes. Let's admit it. Okay. It happens. Right. It happens. Okay. I'm going in a different direction. Are you concerned at all about applicants using chat GPT or AI? Yes. Okay. Um, When chat GPT first came out, two of our faculty who were leaders in this, you sent us admissions applications, uh, personal statements. Some of them were better than the ones we received. Um, we, we, we are going to change, I can talk about this prospectively because we're not doing it in conjunction with anyone else, but uh, we're going to change our certification on the application. Uh, we're working on the language now okay. uh, that students will, applicants will attest um, that they have not used some kind of electronic enhancement um, for their personal statements. Again, some of them are better than what our students have written. 
but but that does concern us. We're looking at that from the university. We're looking at that. Some of our faculty are actually leaders in, in artificial intelligence. So so it's um, so you got it, him to it, ask. You, you 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 will you will see yeah, an interesting statement, and uh, we'll talk about that a lot. It's it can be an amazing tool. Um, you can hire a consultant. You can have other people uh, edit and 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 read personal statements. Um, that's all fine, but you know, don't have people rewrite them. We, we want you. Okay. We want this to reflect your personality, your writing, your level of skills. Right. Okay. Does Fordham Law consider update letters from applicants who have something significant to tell you after they submit their applications and before hearing back from you or from sure. waitlisted, waitlisted applicants? We were talking about the waitlist before we went live. And we're going to turn to that in a minute, but go ahead. Sure. Uh, <laughs> we want to know that. We, we do know that applicants you know, will apply in September and October and life happens. Yeah. Um, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. So we're talking about character and fitness. If something happens in character fitness updates, but you know, if if you had something published, if you got a promotion, that's significant. You know, if you have full grades, if you took the LSAT, I guess. So if you have full grades, you have to submit your transcripts to LSAC. It doesn't just happen magically. You you have to do that. Um, sure, tell us that. Um, if you want a prestigious fellowship. Um, and then want to defer because you have the fellowship. But if you won the prestigious fellowship, let us know. That's something you know, it, we, we read applications. We have a committee that reads applications. We're human. Um, it's not all about the numbers. So it's going to take longer to get a decision from us. Students are, hey, I applied to three schools and you know, two of them answered me in three days and I haven't heard from you in a month and a half or two months. Um, that may not be unusual. Uh, because we're reading applications. So in that two months, life could have happened. If you're on the wait list, um, I just did a webinar for our waitlisted students. And we asked students to update us on that as well. And update, we actually survey our students. And we have a first deposit on April 15th-ish, um, June 1st, and then we send out bills around July 4th. Um, and after that, we survey our waitlisted students. Are you still interested? We may deny some of them. We may admit some of them. Um, but the ones who are still on the waitlist will ask you, are you still interested? You don't have to visit. So we're, we're, we're not a school who tracks visits and tracks interest. You know, the, the assumption is if you're interested in us, you're interested in us. Um, and, and that has worked for us in the past and hopefully will continue to work. So, so we don't keep track. You can come and take a tour. Yay. We'd love you to visit. Um, come and meet with us. It's not an evaluative interview. Um, happy to meet with you. Happy to answer questions by email. Happy to answer that old-fashioned communication device called a telephone. Um, ha happy to speak that way. Happy to, to talk via teleconference. See, I didn't use a... Uh, uh, vendor's name. Uh, happy to talk via teleconference. You know, we can do all of that. That's not going to earn you points towards showing interest. Okay, great. Thank you. Now, you've been doing this a long time. What is it? And we've, you've, we've touched on this, but what is the most common or among the most common mistakes that you see law school applicants make during the application process? Apply, so, so there are a few applying late. Um, we do see grammar and spelling errors in personal statements. 
Um, you know, we, we have two good law schools 60 blocks north and south of us here in New York. And sometimes we, we are the safety school and we understand that and we will still admit you. We admit some at least 500 students a year for whom we're kind of clearly the safety school. But don't tell us in your personal statements and get us so excited about you and we want you and then say, and that's why I'm the perfect student for NYU. <laughs> um, th that that will get uh, yeah it's about attention to detail and it's not we're, we're not trying to be jerks about it but attention to detail matters it's really important for a lawyer applying late you know applying an hour before the deadline um, and, and we get people who apply an hour before the deadline and now it's all electronic it was one thing to get postmarks so I think that's a challenge feeling so so they're certainly the arrogant people and we are happy with them being arrogant in the application because then we won't admit them um, so, so so that's okay we are a selective school regardless of where we may be ranked um, our, our student profile is pretty strong uh, in terms of grades and scores and and we admit plenty of people we admit half our students with grades and scores below medians that's the definition of median getting back to math so, so we look for interest in people all of that matters um, we have more applicants than I might like who, who are sure they are the perfect fit and we are their first choice in life, although that gets a little scary, and just expect we'll admit them. And that's hard. A little um, humility would be a good thing, huh? A little humility would be a good thing, but, but just not understanding uh, you know, some of how it works and you can look at academic profiles um, you can talk to students. We're pretty public. Um, you know, it's not all about the numbers. We're all about the numbers. We have a very different class, and that might not be for the best for us. Uh, we, we like people with experience. We like people who are bringing all kinds of different things to us. We have the scientists um, who are coming looking to do patent or abandoning science, but mostly looking to do patent. Um, yeah, we, we have musicians. Um, we, we have people who have been working in big firms, people who are working in small firms, people who've been in government, people who have been in media. You know, one of our graduates is a voiceover person that if you're in on the East Coast of the United States, you have heard her you know, doing voiceovers for many different things. Uh, so people bring all kinds of different things to the study of law, and, and we look for some of that. Um, just because you have high grades and scores or just because you're a graduate of a certain undergraduate institution, or have a friend who went to Fordham, or a family member, doesn't necessarily mean we're going to admit you. Thank you. Now, I know you're also an expert in financial aid and financial literacy. And I was wondering what, like, if you could give one piece of advice to a law school applicant approaching law school uh, regarding financial aid and financial literacy, and or simply Good financial planning for the process. What would it be? Law school is an investment, um, and, and it's, it's expensive. I started, so now I'll, I'll date myself. Um, when I started in this field, the, the most you could borrow for law school was twenty four thousand dollars for all three years combined. You are dating yourself. <laughs> for all three years combined, you could borrow a five thousand dollar GSL and a three thousand dollar last loan. That has changed. Um, so, so what is an investment? People have different expectations for investments, just like they do in financial investments. And, and 
some they are going to shoot for the moon and, and, and they're coming to law school to be rich and famous. That's okay. You can even tell us that in the application. And, and the expectation is, is for high salary. Some are coming to do public interest work or government work. There's federal public service loan forgiveness. No, that's there. But, but you have to think about law school is a professional education. You have your undergraduate degree. And, and, and as you're considering law school, uh, the investment is important. Now, it's not just about the sticker price or it's not just about the discounted price because what you're investing in sometimes, and this is a little self-serving, but sometimes is opportunity um, and, and networks. We actually had somebody today who, who, who just withdrew and he was, you know, his personal statement and background suggested strongly um, that, that he was looking to work for a big firm in New York. He accepted a, a full tuition offer at a school that I looked at their 509 reports, has not sent anyone to big law in the past two years. And New York is not among their top three feeder states. Free is a good thing, but free if it's not getting you what you want. Could be very expensive, be, actually. Then becomes a bad investment. Yeah. So, so, so think about law school as an investment and think about the, you know, the full, so it has to be about cost and location and fit. Um, and, and will the school give you the opportunities you want? And if you're not sure about the opportunities you want, maybe another year of working is okay. Um, or maybe you take free. Um, and, and we have students who, who will turn us down for free and that's okay. Um, because hopefully it's the right fit for them. Uh, sometimes it's difficult when, when this, this guy withdrew, he's not going to get what he wants. And we may see him as a transfer applicant, but here's somebody who may have made a serious mistake. And, and we're human. <laughs> and sometimes people don't understand that. It's also hard to sometimes make a decision like that. You know, we, we certainly have had clients who got into a program more suited to their goals or more prestigious. Okay, one, one, one or both. But another school that wasn't quite as good a fit gave them a full ride. And they had a really hard time making the decision. What is the best thing to do? Should I incur, you know, six figures in debt or graduate basically debt-free or in debt only for living costs? And it was, it was a tough one to make, but you, I completely agree. And I actually thought as I asked the question that the first thing you have to think of is that it's an investment. And you have to and, look at, and, and at the critical. return, at the cost and the return. And yes, math is involved. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not an easy decision. No, it's and, not. And, and we're asking you to project out where you want to be in five years or 10 years or over a career. Right. And five years ago, well, uh, so now I've been here too, uh, too long, um, but I'm loving it. And I'm not leaving until they fire me. It's... You have to do that. We're putting a lot of pressure on our admitted students um, to make those decisions and to make those decisions, you know, without the benefit of an Excel spreadsheet, because you, know, you, you can figure out return on an investment um, on, on a stock or bond or a mutual fund. It's harder. Um, and, and again, the expectations are personal and may change over time. Right. Right. Is there anything you would have liked me to ask you that I, I haven't asked you? So your last question was it. I wanted to talk about the financing. Oh, all the, right. The, the, okay. the opportunity, because people don't. 
You know, it's yeah. about going to law school and you know, getting into the school that's going to give me the most money or getting into the school that's most prestigious or you know, higher ranked, regardless of, of, of what the rankings mean and what it means for you. Uh, but the financing is critical. And you, know, you, you want to figure out that balance. And it's not an easy balance um, for many people to figure out um, cost and opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we put a lot of pressure on our students to make that decision with only two or three or, or less work experience. Right. So, so, so that's the challenge. Don't forget to think about that. After you're all excited about being admitted to all these law schools and the schools you wanted, and, and maybe you designed the schools you were applying to perfectly, and every school has admitted you, and some have given you lots of money, and some maybe not. Um, now it becomes difficult. Right. But it's a good choice to have. Difficult, so, but good. I have said that to, to many people who are appealing. You have for a more good money. problem. You have a good so, problem. Many people appealing for more money. You have great choice, yet different choices. Right. Now you have to make that decision far better than not so good choices where you have to make the decision. Absolutely. Dean Brown, I think we're almost out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining me and sharing your insider perspective. Where can listeners learn more about Fordham Law? So very easy to find us, law.fordham.edu on the web. Okay, great. Thank you. And thank you listeners also for joining me for this wonderful interview with Dean Stephen Brown, Assistant Dean of Enrollment at Fordham Law School. We're going to include links in the show notes at accepted.com slash 529 to Fordham Law's website, and Dean Brown just gave you the URL, as well as to other resources that may be helpful to you. Quick reminder, don't miss the law school admissions quiz. Find out if you are really ready to apply and competitive at your target schools. Take the quiz at exhibit.com slash law dash quiz today. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.